Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley Sermon Podcast. Today we hear from the Reverend Phil Brichard as he preaches from the lectionary from All Saints Day, which was John chapter 11, verse 32 to 44. As always, you can find more information about All Souls or more sermons on our website, which is allsoulsparish.org. Hope to see you around sometime. Why does death exist? Why? Why does death exist? I get it from a rational perspective. Uh, that the way that existence is set up means that uh, sometimes living beings consume other living beings to stay alive. And so some creatures die that others can live. And that even if a being isn't consumed by another, uh, as soon as we're born, the process of decay slowly but surely sets in. And that sooner or later, the animals, the, the trees, the people we love, we cannot stay ahead of it. And I get it that one day, ready or not, This will happen with us too. And I think we ask the question, why does death exist? Because we love. Because we have shared such life with parents and with siblings, with friends and with mentors, with partners and with children, that for them to leave us or for us to leave them behind is uh, is a pain beyond words. And for believers, for those who believe in a, a ground of being or in a creative force or in an eternal reality that we call God, This question has a particular edge to it, doesn't it? If there is a God who knows all things, who is everywhere, who is the essence of goodness, and who has the power to intervene or to heal or to keep things alive, if there is this God, then why does my dad or my kid, or my wife have to die. These are the kinds of questions that bring us to this day as we celebrate the feasts of all saints and all souls. And it's why we have this passage that we just heard from John's gospel to guide us. Because these very human questions are the through lines in our story this morning. You may have heard them as Maggie read it. You may have heard it when Mary, well, Mary doesn't ask these questions. She actually tells Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then later, when the people gathered there see the grief and the sadness that is racking Jesus, they ask, 
Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? It appears to biblical scholars that this question, this very human question, why does death exist, was a critical question to the community that formed the gospel according to John. Because they had come to trust in this experience of Jesus that he rose from the dead and they had come to trust in his promise of life forever to come and now. And yet, they and those they loved were still dying. Why? And they remembered this story, the story of Lazarus, the the friend, the beloved of Jesus, and they passed it down generation to generation because in this story, they encountered the reality of what death is and the promise of what life in God will be and is now. And it's my sense that um, the kind of crux of this story takes place when Jesus gets asked that question, could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And, And there's real risk in this moment in our story because Jesus is vulnerable here. He's vulnerable to grief, He's vulnerable to pain, and he's vulnerable to death. And still he points to something that is more powerful than death, which is life in God. And his response comes in these few words, take away the stone. And it's Martha, faithful Martha, who says what most of us might be feeling. But death is so powerful. Can't you smell its stench? But they roll away the stone and out of the cave comes the dead man, somehow live again. Now this did not mean that Lazarus would live forever in that body. It did not mean that death is not real and that death is not painful. No, I believe the purpose of this story of the good news of the Christ is to remind us that death is real, but that life is ultimate. And the question and the desire to come close, to lean into those who have gone before us, This question we have felt so keenly in this last year and a half of COVID, the isolation, the grief, the trauma. You'll find this question across continent and culture. And you'll particularly find it in the Christian tradition right now. At this time of the year, during these three days, as fall creeps towards winter. It's all Hallows' Even, 
All Saints Day, All Souls Day. Three days that reverberate with the mystery of death and life. Much like their siblings in the spring, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Day. And in the Christian church, we have come to trust this time of year as a, as a thin time. When the veil that separates the quick and the dead, when that veil is thin and we can perceive what is beyond. It's why we surround ourselves with remembering at this very feast, the feast of all saints and all souls, when we trust in the promise of the life eternal known now. Now, some years we do this, we surround ourselves with photos and with memories. And this year we're doing it with the cloud of witnesses, with the names of our beloveds. But every year we do this with food, with delicious food. You see, we have a tradition here at All Souls that on this feast day, we share with others the food that our beloveds once made for us. And we bring our beloveds close by feeding one another, by giving each other life, by giving each other love. And so a week ago, one of our All Soulsians, Martin Ortega, approached me because he wanted to bring food today. You might have already had some in our courtyard. He brought frijoles con chorizo, beans with a spicy sausage. You see, this is the first All Saints and All Souls Day since Martin dad, Martin's dad died. He died this spring. And Martin wanted to honor him and to love him in this way. Martin and his dad, well, they had their differences over the years, but they always connected through food. His dad was a cook in the army in Korea, and it's where he picked up this love of cooking, and he loved being in the kitchen. He'd actually kick people out of the kitchen when he was cooking because this was his space to cook, and this was his way to care. Martin remembers being invited in, but only at certain times. And he especially remembers when he was 15 or 16. That can be a really challenging age for a parent and a child. And he remembers really wanting to learn how to make that dish. It was a dish that Martin's grandmother taught Martin's father. And he wanted to learn how to make it. And so his father taught him. He brought him into the kitchen. He taught him how to make frijoles con chorizo. And Martin, still in the grief of his father's death, Martin made it for us today on this feast day, not just because we might be hungry, but also so that we can be nourished. Martin made it trusting that his dad was going to be here somehow to enjoy it along with Martin's brother and his mom. Martin said there'd be a lot of souls here to enjoy it. Bite by bite, all of us, remembering that death is real, but life is ultimate.
This is not just a yearning that we feel. A yearning for a feast, uh, for a love that creates a food that sustains. This is uh, actually a vision and one of the primary visions of the great prophets, the prophet Isaiah. We heard it this morning in in the passage from Isaiah 25, a passage that is written in the middle of the lament because the destruction of Jerusalem was upon them. And the prophet sees this vision, this vision of the reality of God and of death being swallowed up forever and tears being wiped away. And the vision that we are offered is of a feast. A feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, a feast where all people, all saints, all souls are gathered. Have you had a feast like this? Who was there? What did you eat? That feast is like this feast, the feast that Martin Ortega wanted to share with us and with his dad, which is the feast we share at that table every week as we remember the resurrection. We share this feast around this table, and it's a feast that you can trust will hold your hope and your grief all at once. Now I realize when we share this feast together, we we just take in a, a piece of bread. We just drink a sip of wine. But just like Lazarus' raising from the dead was a glimpse into the reality of life, the Eucharistic feast that we share is a glimpse of the great feast on the mountain of the Lord. And so when we share this together today, I want you to come with an open heart. A heart that is open to all of those who've come before us. A heart that is open to all of us who are here today. And a heart that is open to trust. That death is real, but life is ultimate.